The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. How do we pull the best from many cultures together to produce the most high-performing teams that are possible? To answer that question, Dr. Karen Jacobson. Karen, thanks very much for joining us. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for the opportunity to share with your audience and oh, great. your show. Great. Well, thanks uh, Thanks very much. You have a, uh, a fascinating international background, and, and there is so much that you've taken. I, I just know from talking to you, from the, the experiences that you've had, but you formulated that into a process that people can, can emulate or duplicate. So let's talk about that. First, let's, let's hear a little bit about your background. So where have you come from, and, and how did you get to where you are? I've had the opportunity to live overseas. As a matter of fact, I just returned from a short visit to Israel, which is where I spent about 15 years of my life, mainly from kindergarten through my military service there. And I, I had rest, the rest of my time was spent between New York uh, before and right after living in Israel. And I've been in Arizona now for the past 20 years. Wow. So, and, and I imagine from the many different places that you've lived, uh, you know, you, you've gotten a lot of different kinds of perspectives. You've seen a lot of different kinds of people, uh, some, some good ones, some easy ones, some not so easy ones and, and all that, <laughs> you know, what, um, what kinds of things have struck you most about being in different places? What, you know, what, what's the most significant thing about having moved from place to place? I would say that that's, that Joel's a theme that I actually focus on when I when I speak with clients, when I speak at conferences. I talk about the fact it's really easy to target differences, but the unique thing is that we're all human beings, and if you look just beyond the surface, you're going to find commonalities. And commonalities is what unites us and what allows us to grow. And by finding commonalities, you have the opportunity to take a relationship to the next level, whether it's personal or business. You know, um, human beings are 99% the same. All, all of us, no matter where we are on the planet, we're 99% the same. So in order for us to kind of understand one another, we have to kind of focus on that 1% that's different. And then we kind of make an extra big deal out of that 1%. That's, that's at least what I notice. And, and when you travel uh, internationally, and I've traveled a lot, I haven't been away for as long as you have in different places. But, you know, 
people in different places, they really are different. I mean, they really, they think different. Uh, we, we get very isolated here in the United States, but people in other parts of the world really see the world in a different way. And what are, what are some of the big things that you've seen in other places that people may see differently than us? To give you an example, the, sometimes it's not even the big things, it's the little things. So I, when, when I traveled to Israel, I had the opportunity to rent a vehicle and I noticed something very simple. You know, in the U.S., when we look at traffic, usually you'll see that the lights will change in what sequence? They'll go from green to yellow to red. And then when you have the right to start traveling again, the lights go from red to green. Right. It's different right. in Israel. The light will go from red to yellow to green. In their thought process, they put one extra step. Why, why is that? What does that mean? It's readiness for them. And, I mean, and one of the things that's very common in the Israeli culture is about preparedness and readiness. Huh. It's something that I learned in, the, in my service in the army. It's something that I learned years before that when I was in the scouts. And it's about always, always being prepared for what the next thing is and for what the next step is. And that shows up even in something simple as a traffic light. That is, that is a fascinating thing. So, um, I mean, ready, listen, the, the, these are people that live in a dangerous uh, environment and they have to be ready all the time to do what they need to do to protect themselves. And so they build readiness into very simple parts of their life just to all be, if the lights going to be changing to green, get ready, stop, get off your phone and get ready <laughs> to drive or whatever you, you got to do, right? Absolutely. And, yeah. and the thing is, I, I think the, the important thing to note is how does that affect you as the um, traveler or as the consumer? Because how many will actually pay attention to that and take their time? And how many will attempt to make the shortcut and travel before the light is green? Because that's something that I noticed there as well. The people and, trying to get a head start? Getting a head start, absolutely. Huh. Well, listen. What we what we always talk about on this show is is the inside track. We talk about, uh, you know, there are people who are better at some things than other people. There are people that are uh, more capable. They they move further. There are better restaurateurs. There are better. They're better marketers. They're better this and that. And so we always like to know what the inside track is. Um, for you, how do you uh, you know take the lessons that you've learned from different places where you've been? And, and create an inside track. Where, where, where does that, how does that fit in for you? Because I know you've got a whole peak performance uh, mindset, the whole program around that. How does it work for you? One of the things that I've gained from, from the perspective of different cultures and especially growing up in a melting pot such as Israel, being able to learn different language, being able to meet people from different cultures, it really gave me the opportunity to get to know human behavior. And after all, if you wanna get the inside track and connect to people, you have to understand what motivates them, understand how they think and how they behave in order to be able to relate and connect with them. You know, one of the most fascinating things, uh, and this is this is uh, my interest in this, is 
if you read any religious scripture, uh, you know, from thousands of years ago and all the, all the world's religions and things, the one thing that people in those days, uh, to me, the, the big issue, the big thing that comes out of all the scripture from all the different religions that I've looked at is they understood human behavior. They understood a lot about people. They seem to understand people better than we understand them now. They, they just really understood that we're the same as we were 5,000 years ago. I mean, people in every corner of the world, they all take shortcuts. They all cheat. They all do some good things. They all do some bad things. They, they all lose their temper. Uh, you know, it, it, I always found it fascinating. So what are, what are some of your takeaways? I mean, what are some of the things you've seen and, and how do you apply that? I would say that different cultures give people different value systems, especially around life and uh, what what's important. As an example, especially going back now after having lived back in the States for so many years and going back to Israel and visiting some old friends from the military and listening to listening to the view. I mean, I, I go out there and I walk into a mall and I see a lot of American stores. And in a certain aspect, Israel, there's aspects and dimensions, especially economically, where they're looking to almost attempt to live a common lifestyle that's lived here as far as being almost like a 51st uh, state. <laughs> so I walked in and there's there's uh, North Face and there's Aldo and Nine West and, and other, you know, and McDonald's. Of course, it's kosher there. But the point is what they look for in life is different because while there still is this aspect of living quality of life and, and looking for material things, the value is in safety. The value is in family. The value is in community at a much different level than it might be here. Well, how, so how, so how is it different? So for example, Asian culture is quite different. It's interesting you bring this up because you know, human beings behaviorally, we are really kind of all the same for thousands of years. But the the value system, the part you're bringing up, is really different from part different different parts of the globe. Uh, you know, some cultures value life higher than others. Some uh, value family higher than others. Some value uh, different kinds of human relationships higher than others. Uh, you know, how how does in the in the Middle East, the part of the Middle East where you've been, how does uh, how does that part of the world work? What do they look at? They value people, friendship, connections, and community. To give you the example, when I was in the Army and uh, we, we were a youth group that was going to a young settlement and we were going to develop a new community. Well, we have a group, and, and they just added me to that. That group is still connected 30-plus years later. And that's, that's not the same as what you might find here. Yes, you'll have people that have childhood friends, but to have a group like that that will connect and meet on a regular basis and, and have daily messages that there's a certain level of loyalty, there's a certain level of connection that I had found is stronger than bonds that I've found here. Because Israel in so many ways is so small and there's a struggle for survival continuously and therefore 
they rely on each other. They connect with each other differently. And, and that's one of the things that I brought with me here when I came back to building relationships around myself. So how do you, the clients you have, the, the business clients you have, how do you, how do these lessons help you to work with those clients? How do you install or instill some of those uh, lessons or values into companies, not, not the religious part and not even the political part, but how do you take the human lessons and build them into companies that you're working with? I'll give you an example. One of the companies that I consult with right now is a, um, they, they offer opportunities for actually somebody that, that you know, that they, they multifamily homes and it's a family type of company. It's a small business that's family style. And, and what they mean by family style is that literally there are family members in there, but they've created their extended family. And the key thing in, in my approach with working with them has been the opportunity to help them develop and divide. And what I mean by that is understand each other, understand how to relate to each other, and, and create clear division in what they're doing so each one of them has their place and their process without crossing boundaries because that's something that does happen often. In okay, so, so when we talk about peak performance, you can't be a peak performer if you're doing everything. That, that's, that's number one. That's, I'm hearing you say that right now in different words, but you can't be a peak performer if you're doing everything. So let's talk about strategies that make you a peak performer. One is, you know, is isolating certain kinds of skills or certain kinds of activities. Go ahead. Keep, so keep going on the same track, but, but go so ahead. So in peak performance, the key thing is understand what your strengths are, what your skill sets are, and understand where you also need to delegate. And there's a clear delineation because at times, if you are a driver, if you are goal oriented and you're looking to create and achieve success, you just want to go forward. And, and at times you might be in a place where you'll either do it on your own because no one might be able to do it as well as you do, or you might tend to delegate that and micromanage. And then with the aspect of micromanage, number one, you'll end up with reverse delegation because it will fall back on you. The key thing is understand your team's strength, your skill, their skill sets, and learn how to delegate and place things to them in an appropriate fashion. So, so that, okay, so I'm kind of getting another thing here. So one, there's peak performance of people, and there's peak performance of an organization. So do you work on both sides, or do you, I mean, do you, uh, do you help, I, I mean, does, if you have an organization of all peak performers, that does, still doesn't mean you've got a peak performing organization. Because their procedures and processes may not be intact. Right. They could, they could all be going in different directions and flying all around. It's, it's about, it's about, you know, in, it's about what we would call, you know, taking that in from controlled chaos and streaming things that they all work in a parallel line towards a common goal. You know, that's a difference between, between some of the older style of management, which was manager and workforce, versus today as we move towards leader and team, where the team has a vision, has a mission, has goals, and you now understand the human element and each player has a place in that team so that together you're driving the machine forward. And 
it, it, whether it's looking at it from the point of a machine, whether it's looking at it as tactics in a, in a putting together the puzzle, or whether you're looking at an athletic team. Everyone's going to have their place. Everyone is going to be able to perform to their highest with an interrelationship with someone else, not as solo players. So are there, are there any, uh, any, any rules of the road? Is there any, any kind of guidance you can give us about how to, how to kind of do that on a self-serve basis? How, how, do you, how do you get the team working the best that it can work? The first thing would be to understand to understand your individuality, your role within the team, your strengths, and your challenges. Now, are you talking about each person or are you talking about the manager or the team captain? It's, it's both. The team captain is the one who will have the overview and understand, but in order to create an effective team, we need to understand each other. Because if I don't, if, if you and I are on the same team and there's a manager above us, a leader, who may not understand our strengths, then they may not be able to utilize us in the best fashion. Now, if I'm supposed to work with you by the same token, and I don't understand 100% what your strengths are and how to communicate with you effectively, I'm missing the boat. See, I, 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 like, I like this. I like this approach. But I also you know, have this little thing in the back of my head going, you know, uh, there's just so much competitiveness and people are out for themselves. And, you know, how do you get past all the noise to, because what you're talking about is such a utopian, wonderful way of approaching things, but it just doesn't seem to happen very often in companies. So how do you, how do you get past all that crap that gets in the way? Well, part of what gets in the way is our, our values. And, and I will say that companies are changing because the generation and the values and the thought process behind different generations is different. True. Whereas True. as baby boomers, we were more competitive and it's more, we're in, we're, you know, we're part of the same company, but I'm driving my own truck. Today and 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 it's more like let me see how much I can get because we lived in an era of he who has more toys wins, and we moved today towards a collaborative process, especially with millennials, where they want to decide together who's going to be the one driving and how they're following. So they are more cooperative in nature. Whereas we might have been as baby boomers more competitive in nature. And as the reins are flipping, companies are changing. And for a company who wants to stay a high performing company and wants to be able to continue to progress, the only way to be able to do that is to understand how the world has changed and adapt. So one of the key things as we were talking about before that not just the knowledge and the understanding of who you are and what your personality is, but your ability to adapt and change. Because if you cannot adapt and change to the world that's changing around you, you're not going to survive as a, as a company, as a business in this world. You know, I just, um, I, I, it just, this sounds like such a great concept and, and it's, I mean, I have a little bit of difficulty understanding how younger people, uh, you know, really what's there. I, I, I noticed that there's something different about younger people and I, I'm having a hard time personally putting my finger on exactly what the differences are 
so that I can relate to it. And I'm sure there's a lot of, uh, you know, older people that uh, work with younger people and, and probably have the same concern. How, what's different about younger people than our generation? One of the things that, one of the key things is how they were brought up. Whereas, whereas many of us, you know, whether it was the, you know, when we're looking at the generational differences, whether it's the, the traditionalists, the baby boomers, and even the Gen Xers, we were brought up with um, mostly us and, and, and above us. First of all, everything was manual. Remember, there was no technology when we were, you know, we had a typewriter and then later on when they introduced the word, the, the uh, word processor, you know, that was a huge thing. But now every process is automated. Now you're going to change the speed of response. So the thought process that we had that in order to achieve something, you needed to spend hours upon hours upon hours has changed. Now you can today be effective and efficient with less time, with a little bit more technology and still create that balance. What they're looking at is how do I use technology and hack time, hack processes, and become more efficient and effective, potentially in less time. So whereas they might need to come and learn some of the values that we've brought in, we have the opportunity to learn some of the technology and use it to our advantage. That is, that is really, uh, you know, that's a really interesting, uh, it's an interesting thought process because I, I think all the time what's different about the kids and, and the kids are, and I'm not, when I talk about kids, I'm not talking about people under 30 years old, even 35, uh, but it's true. You know, they, they, they take for granted things that were like a big shift for us. And, and that does make a big difference. And, and, and that plays out probably in their level of patience, uh, you know, that uh, they, they want things to happen instantly, the way they communicate is different. They're just a lot of things are different, you know, for better, for worse, some things, but uh, very fascinating. So for companies to get the inside track and, and, and to uh, really, uh, you know, take the most direct line to the money and most direct line to everything else that they need to do, what are the, some of the things that they need to be paying attention to? Because that's really, at the end of the day, that's what business managers and, and C-suite executives want to know is how am I going to uh, take the shortest line to the money and everything else that's important to me? In the past, we used to run our businesses and we used to promote based on, on our hard skills and knowledge of a task. And today, 93% of people are promoted because of what we would call soft skills. Now, personally, I don't believe they're soft skills. I believe those are core skills. Being for, able, for, for example, give us for, some I would say being able to lead people is not a soft skill. Being able to speak to someone and motivate them and become and be and, and help them become more efficient, more effective is a core skill. Those are things that personally, in my belief system, should actually be taught at school. And we should grow up learning these things, learning human behavior, you're learning human motivation, and we don't. And while we might have swung the pendulum a little bit too far with some of the sensitivity training, there's still validity in the fact that some people, as an example, are going to be motivated by the stick. Some people will be motivated by the carrot. You have to understand the difference. 
an effective leader will understand their people and know when to use the carrot or the stick and not use the process, but adapt the process. I love that. I, I, I just, I think that's awesome. I mean, that makes so much sense to me. Uh, I happen to also agree that, uh, you know, that those basic skills, what you call core skills, uh, they're soft because you don't get a degree in those things, but they're mandatory. There are, there, you know, in fact, you know, when I lecture in universities, I do some pro bono work in universities and talk to kids and things. And, you know, what I tell young people is, listen, uh, you need, number one, you need to uh, try different departments in a company for the first uh, several years of your career. You know, for the first, until you're 35 years old, you need to move around. But after a while, you need to really get focused. You need to really kind of zero in after a while on some particular thing. But you have to. Uh, be good at many different things beside whatever your core skill is. At, at the end of the day, after you know, after you've been an attorney or a CPA or whatever you are for ten years or so, it's not about technical skills anymore. It becomes entirely about your ability to get people to move. I mean, what's the job of a salesperson? A salesperson's only job is to get someone to say yes. That's it. It's all about uh, it's behavior. It's, it's behavior. Because saying yes, saying yes is not a logical process. It's an emotional process that gets well, justified it's by logic. It's, it's, it's both. Justified there's some, there's some logic, logic and there's, there's some emotion. And you kind of weave these things together like a braid and, and you get people to kind of follow along. And, but it's, those skills are really, they're, under, they're undervalued in our United States system. And, and I, I think that we don't, we really, that's not, we, we were talking earlier about scriptures and different things. Those, those people from thousands of years ago understood people better than us. And we need to really understand people to really have the inside track and take the shortest line to the money and, and everything else. You really do have to understand people because when you understand, and that's what we're talking about, peak performance, is your understanding of people from different cultures, different places, uh, it gives you an edge. And, and people need to bring every tool they have in their toolbox to the table. One of the things that, uh, and, and it's interesting because I've come from the other side. When I, when I was growing up in Israel and I later on was, uh, I was a, a non-commissioned officer in the army and, and everything that I learned there was, you know, follow the book, follow the rules. And, and it was very black and white and coming in, Coming back, when I came back to the States and then I later on had uh, started my chiropractic practice, the way I ran my business was in that fashion. And I had realized that with some it worked, with some it didn't work. And at times with those that it didn't work, it even pushed certain people away. And my mindset at the time was just keep on moving forward. If they're not going to follow, they're not going to follow. However, several years later, when I really started digging into other aspects of human behavior and emotional intelligence, and on top of that, when I started, actually when I started um, competing in ballroom, Latin ballroom, and learn aspects of performance and communication on a different level, I really had come to the conclusion that in order to be an effective leader, you have to be able to have both your strategy and your finesse. You know, I mean, this is uh, really kind of reading between the lines here. This is this really the emotional intelligence piece really pops to the surface because 
uh, you know, being a great leader is really all about interpersonal skills, not about mushy, mushy skills, but about, you know, really understanding people, being sensitive to people, uh, you know, and really kind of bringing the best out of people. And those are not things that everybody's able to do. I remember in one of the trainings that I delivered, I was sitting, <laughs> I walked into the room, there were six there were six uh, captains in uh, uh, from Nevada firefighters who were all retired military. And, and, and one of them who was struggling with the fact when we started talking about empathy. And he's like, well, you know, I don't want to walk on eggshells with anybody. And I said, I said, Carl, you, you're not walking. And I said, did I ask you to walk on eggshells? He goes, no. I said, and the truth is that n not everything in life is black and white. And he looks and he goes, well, in my world it is. I said, I know that, but what if it wasn't? Because if you want to, you're here because you want to become a better leader, a more effective leader, and being able to mentor your team as well as work with your assistant, who was clearly different and more emotional, I said, well, when, when do you want to do that? He goes, well, now. And I had asked the room permission to work with, with him and take him through a breakthrough. And the truth is we worked right there and, and it was something very simple. I said, Carl, what color shirt are you wearing? He's like, dark blue. I said, Chris, who's sitting next to you, what color shirt is he wearing? Black. Ronnie, sitting over there, what color shirt is she wearing? Black. I said, what color sweater am I wearing? I said, black. I said, are they all the same black? And he said, no, they're different shades of black. And I stopped and I looked at him and I said, oh, in other words, even black has different shades. Huh. <laughs> And he looked back at me, and I'm not going to repeat the, the look and probably what he really wanted to say, because he looked at me and he smirked. He goes, uh-huh. And by two hours later, at the end of the, of the day, we had an activity. And in the activity, the group that he was with, they had to lead, and they had to... Um, they had to discipline an employee that was not following the rules. And, and he said to me, he goes, Karen, you know, the old Carl would have not had any understanding to the situation this guy's in. And I would have thrown the book at him. But I now understand that what might seem one way to me is not the same for somebody else. And it does not mean I have to walk on eggshells. Listen, that, uh, first of all, I, I love the metaphor. I, I love the training, the breakthrough. That, that was awesome. And, and what it really says is that you really, you know, you're back to where you going into many cultures and being in different places. What it really says is that, you know, having perspective of many different things works to your great advantage. And whether we've traveled or whether we haven't traveled, uh, we can read, we can listen to podcasts and other shows, and we can get perspectives of different people. We have to take different perspectives into our uh, into account to be the most effective people we can. And that's the way we take the inside track is by really, uh, you know, learning to be 
effective leaders and being sensitive to the issues that other people are concerned about and, and being empathetic about it. I guess that's important. Yes. And you don't have to travel around the world for that. And you don't actually even have to live in a different culture. You have to be attentive and be open-minded enough to understand that there is not one reality, my reality. There's a different, you know, I, I often give the metaphor, the Grand, um, I live in Arizona, the Grand Canyon state. And when you travel and you're in the Grand Canyon, you look through these scopes, you know, they have po points, different lookout yeah. points. Yeah, yeah. And I could be standing here and saying, Joel, you've got to see this. I, got, I, I see the beautiful, I'm, I'm on the south side of the rim and I'm looking towards the north rim and it's amazing and you have to see this. Now I'm on the phone with you and you're on the North Rim. You're not seeing the same thing. The only way that you can have an understanding is if we come towards each other. Or if you come and step into that spot that I was in and see the same view that I was seeing. And an effective leader who wants to be able to relate to their team members, to their company and lead a powerful company has to be able to step into their shoes. It does not mean they have to carry their pain. It does not have to mean that they actually have to even justify and, and agree with what's happening. They have to understand. Yeah. You know what, Karen, that is, that is awesome. I mean, that really it's, it's awesome advice it's realistic advice too. And it's not asking too much of somebody to, to try to look at the world through somebody else's perspective, because it, uh, you know, even if, if I was on the North and you're on the South and we're looking, we're seeing the same thing, but it looks totally different and the colors are different. I mean, I, I, these are, these are great metaphors. They're, they're just great metaphors and they really work. So uh, thank you very much for, for sharing. I mean, this has really been, been really cool. It's uh, you've got a really interesting perspective and I'm sure you do great work. Tell us a little bit about uh, how people get a hold of you and the kind of work you do. Just give us a, a couple seconds on that. I, I offer opportunities for uh, speaking engagements, whether it's keynotes, breakout sessions, and uh, training programs. Training programs could be half a day, full day, depending on the company needs. And they're in the areas of high performance, which includes my high performance triad of leadership, language, and lifestyle. I'm present on all social media uh, from, from my website to Twitter, to Facebook, to YouTube. Everything is branded under Dr. Karen Jacobson with an S-O-N. And I, I send out newsletters and there's, there's actually even an opportunity on my website. I have a, a free ebook if somebody might be interested in understanding uh, how to become an effective high-performing leader. So it is the uh, seven, seven, um, seven strategies for high-performance leadership. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll, pub we'll publish the website address and, and then people can, can find you, uh, you know, right off the blog uh, address. Is that okay? Absolutely. Great. Listen, thank you very much for joining us. It was a pleasure and uh, we appreciate you being here. Thank you and have a fantastic day. Will do. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joe Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com.
Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.